Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Life in Transit podcast. My first guest is none other than Mike Rosenberg, also known as Passenger. If you've listened to my podcast teaser, you would know that I have been procrastinating about releasing these conversations for over three years now. Mike was originally the first ever guest I recorded back in early 2017, um, and then I never released it at all. So three years later, I had to ask him to sit down again with me and force him (laughs) to record another conversation. I met Mike around nine years ago now when he was busking in Perth. We made a couple of videos for fun, and then he asked me to tour around Australia with him. That's the short version. Uh, It was very low-key back then, and I nearly turned down that offer. I'm very glad that I didn't because so much has happened since. Uh, A lot of things have changed since back in those days. And and because of Mike, I have traveled all around the world. And I mean everywhere, every continent, bar Antarctica, but still holding out for that show. Um, We've been shooting his concerts around the world, music videos, recording albums. I feel like my work with Mike has been, I mean... It's objectively the longest running collaboration I've ever been a part of. Um, And it's been the most fun. So seriously, I owe so many of my favorite life experiences to Mike. He's a super inspiring person to me and he's a very clever man. We are usually joking around a lot. It is actually quite rare that we have a serious conversation. Usually we are just yelling weird sounds at each other or he's bullying me about something (laughs) we can be very silly together so that's why I love sitting down with him here and being forced to have a somewhat serious talk about the lessons he's learned along the way going from busking on the street to selling out 20,000 seat arenas and having literally billions of plays of his music. That's right, billions, not millions. It's at that stage now. So the context of this chat is uh, we were in the middle of a tour in South America, but I had to leave early to photograph my friend's wedding back in Australia. And there was only one show left of that tour. So, you know, it was okay that I had to leave um, and miss that because it wasn't the end of the world. Uh, But the thing is, that one show that was left was Uruguay, which I have a very soft spot for. So it made absolutely no sense. But I left the tour. I left South America to fly to Australia. And then two days later, I flew all the way back to South America to make the Uruguay show. Very unnecessary. Um, But, you know, felt like the right thing to do. Uh, I sat down with Mike the day after that show and about an hour before he had to check out of the hotel and get on his flight. So that's where we kick off. Uh, There you go. That's one for you. Can you do a little one, two, um, one, two, audio one, two. test? This is exciting <clears throat> for everyone. Hey. One, two. No, I'm just 
I'm just testing. I've flown all the way here just for this. Mm. It's true. I don't know why you. It's true. <laughs> you flew for your Melodica solo. All right. What's the loudest you're going? Oh my god! I've <laughs> just had such a great career. Like that. <sighs> all right. Hey, uh, hey, Mike. Hi. You are from the band. Passengers. The passengers. The passengers. The passengers. Hey, how excited are you to be doing this? I am flipping excited, to be honest. It's not like we, I played a gig last night and got to bed at 3 a.m. and still need to pack and do a million other things. So, no, it's really, it's good. Timing is perfect. Well, the thing is, Mike, you just have to make the most of every opportunity. You do. That's, that's true. And reach for the stars and climb every mountain. Yeah. But you really are happy to see me. I am. Delighted. I flew a long way to, to be here. I know, mate. Just to support you. It's, um, <laughs> you're insane, but it's very sweet. I love it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I expect the insane from you now, I think. And from you as well. Yeah. Right? I think you, I think you have a, like... Higher tolerance for certainly, <laughs> certainly as far as like air miles. Like I was saying the other day, like the the flight you just took, that would have to be like the start of like a big tour for me. Like I wouldn't just fly sixteen hours for like to say he like hello. That's, that's <laughs> which is what I've done. Which is basically what you've done. Well, you know, I did, I, I did go between regret and, <laughs> and excitement yeah. for this trip, but what it came down to was. It's always about just chasing the story. Yep. Whatever is going to be the most interesting, silliest thing. Yes. Do that one. Yeah. Which, which is amazing, but it's, it's so different to how I do things, right? Like silliness kind of happens when it happens for me, but because I've got the gigs lined up, it's like, it's, it's all, I, I guess my version of it is so much more structured than yours. True, but I think that it's similar in the way that we're always pushing it yeah to to make cool things yep and you know and that's like when we you know for the runaway that was video yeah. run across america yeah things like that where you know it obviously doesn't make a lot of sense yeah <laughs> and it's more trouble <laughs> than it's worth but it's just because it's it's crazy and interesting and so let's do that totally instead of probably achieve a similar outcome by sitting at home <laughs> and, yeah. and putting a lot less effort in terms yeah. of, I don't know, sales or, or whatever. Mm. Mm. But it's, you know, you always want to take the more interesting path if you can, because that's what you will look back at and remember. No doubt. And actually, I think one thing I've learned, you know, because especially in the early days, you didn't have any money. So... <clears throat> You have to be creative with... Are you filming this? Yeah, I was just checking that it was okay. recording because, you know, it's... it's <laughs> yep, stranger it's, um... things have happened. Um, yeah, I think certainly in the early days, you don't have any money. You, all you have is creativity, really. Hmm. You know what I mean? You have to, you have to come up with, with ideas that are different and quite often a bit insane to stand out. I think nowadays there's so many people doing this. So you have to do it mm. in a different, a slightly different way, yeah. Mm. Do you remember? Um, you probably don't. Because there's all these, you know, little That nice time you said you love me. There's all these... Because I do remember that. 
I know we were both drunk, but I do, I do remember it. Uh, yeah, because, you know, there's all these little cute, cute moments that I remember. Yeah, which cute moment are you talking about? In Italy. It starts with B. Borello. Yes. The wine festival. <laughs> yes. Mm, that's awesome. Um, but we were filming videos and we, we'd always film our weekly videos. Um, and we're Beautiful always looking birds. for, yes, yeah. always looking for interesting places to film. And, and the place that I picked for that part was the top of the hill mm-hmm. in the winery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of the time we're so exhausted that we don't really ever want to do <laughs> what we do. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the filming because it's such an extra part yeah. that is not necessary. Uh, but we went out to film and then we got to the spot at the bottom of the hill and then I was like, Mike, we, we need to go to the top and you're a bit grumpy about it. Well, obviously, <laughs> that's, that's what I do. But we did it mm. and we filmed it from the top and there was a beautiful view yeah. and it went really well. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you said, thanks, Jerry, because if it wasn't, <laughs> if it wasn't for us making these videos, but we didn't, we didn't have to, mm. and if it wasn't for you, force it wasn't me forcing you and us because i don't want to do it either <laughs> but like forcing us to go to the top of a hill mm-hmm. or wake up at sunrise or, or do whatever crazy thing if it wasn't f- for that then we we just wouldn't we wouldn't do much <laughs> we wouldn't there'd be a lot more like fifa and <laughs> a lot less amazing parts of the world i think yeah for me because it because it always is an extra the way we've always done it is I'm touring, so I'm doing five shows a week and then we're making videos at the same time, which is insane. I mean, I don't know anybody else who does, who puts out the kind of volume of stuff that we do. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it is. It's exhausting. Like a, a big part of me is often like, I just want to <laughs> stay in my hotel room and watch Netflix and get room service. Um, but that's yeah. all I ever want to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, no, it's, it's definitely true, man. I think all the videos we've made and the, the amazing places we end up. And I I just, I think that's a brilliant thing that you add to it as well. You, like you find all of these locations through Instagram, friends and whatever else. Like you're kind of tapped into that world of, right, we're in this city. These are the spots. Mm. I, would, I wouldn't ever know like where <laughs> to go. So that's awesome. And yeah, however grumpy I am in the beginning, when you get there, <laughs> it's like, great. 99 times out of 100, it's amazing. Mm. And it's just forced us to to just see so much more. True. And do so much more, meet so many more people. Prime example, Uruguay, where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Lovely. <laughs> Such a <laughs> nice story. Because like, it's hard to you know, <laughs> pinpoint where it all kind of snowballed. But I mean, we were, uh, what were we doing? You were supporting Ed. It was maybe the day after or the day before. I can day before. Yeah. And I found a couple of spots to film. Uh, so, you know, met outside the hotel. Uh, we were trying to get cash out we would try this is the other thing to mention is that when it's just us two on our own we're completely useless at anything logistical or grown up so yeah we're a pair of babies and we need looking after really and we were just wandering around aimlessly mm. uh, trying to find the uber it arrived but it i couldn't find it you were you were I was, so close i just wanted to go home i was like i'm not doing this i'm because i was sick t- as well i feel i feel like i was just getting over like this horrible cold and i was just like I just don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. 
you were so close to just giving up and I know where, where that point is with you. I'm, mm-hmm. like, I'm not going to fight mm-hmm. it. Like mm-hmm. if, if we don't sort this out in the next <laughs> minute, like it's done. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then we're outside. Some fans recognised you. Um, we got talking. They ended up driving us to where we need to go. This is Camilla yeah. and Diego. They were so sweet. Drove us around. And then that kind of like kicked it all off, you know, because we, we posted about this and and you spoke about it at the show and just this, this connection between Uruguay audience and yeah. like they were very proud and that you were you saw this side of yeah the country and you know long story but turned into a massive thing and and that's that's such an authentic experience I think like and that's what happens when you put yourself out into the world and you know if you are wondering about aimlessly and lost at some point you're gonna hopefully get picked up by someone you know and they yeah they were amazing and and not just took us to our like filming spots but waited for us to finish Mm. then drove us around town kind of showing us different different parts of it and you know it yeah for me that's what all of this is about that's kind of what you remember you know you don't you don't remember all the sort of delayed flights and all the exhausting stuff you remember actually when you look back on things you remember these genuine interactions with people i think Mm. um and yeah had lunch with them yesterday they're so sweet they're such nice people and hopefully every time we come back to uruguay there's going to be like a a little hang with those guys yeah yeah so speaking of like you know the moments you remember what's uh i want to i want to go back to super early days Mm. because we actually i don't think we've actually talked much about what happened? Early days. <laughs> <laughs> about the incident. We're never going to talk about it. The fishing trip. Yeah. Because the snippets that I've got from you are dropped out of school. Mm. Um, you were an sh- apprentice chef or? Not even that. I mean, that's okay. very kind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I dropped out of school when I was 17. In England, it works slightly different. So you do high school until you're 16. Mm. So it's like obligatory to be there till you're 16. And then there's like this kind of it's called sixth form college where you go for two years. It's a kind of in-between spot between high school and uni. So I dropped out halfway through sixth form. So I was 17 and I just, mate, I just wasn't working very hard. I was smoking loads of weed. I just didn't have any motivation at all to be there. And all Mm. I wanted to do was music. So I was just like, I just remember waking up one day just being like, why am I doing this? I'm wasting everyone's time. All my teachers hate me because I don't (laughs) do any work. I just go and- Well, you're a bad boy. I wasn't bad, like... Were you, you were just not engaged? Not engaged. Or were you causing trouble? No, I wasn't okay. causing trouble. I, <laughs> I think I've always been able to kind of charm my way out of things. <laughs> I can so, see that. So I could just kind of like get by and sort of be a cheeky little chappy. But it was it was getting to the point where it's like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I haven't done a single essay all year. Like, <laughs> it's time for me to, to, uh, to leave. Yeah, so dropped out of school, moved out of home as well and yeah worked part no worked full-time in kitchens for about i guess three years four years mm. but like started as like washing up yeah to kind of work my way up yeah yeah and you're playing music through this whole time yeah playing gigs trying to trying to play gigs on the side but this i remember it being a, a frustrating time for acoustic music because it would have been like early thousands and it's just all about djs like I remember like going into pubs or whatever and just no one was interested in like a guy with a guitar then at all. Any guys with guitar or just you guys <laughs> with the guitar? Probably, yeah. Yeah, probably it was just me. But no, truly, like, you know, music's a 
a cyclical yeah. thing, you know, and, and at the time it was very electronic and, and difficult to get people excited about kind of real songs. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, don't mean real songs disrespectfully to people who make electronic music. But were 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 they you playing original songs or covers or? Yeah, I had had a weekly gig at a little restaurant called the Coach House in Brighton. I played for three hours for fifty pounds. I sometimes think good. about that now. Like if if I'm if I'm grumpy, if I'm exhausted, and I've got a gig to do, I I really try and kind of shut my eyes and put myself back in that, the corner <laughs> of that restaurant where. Some nights there'd be like six people and I'd just be playing for three hours. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's funny because, well, it's it's extra funny because the first the first time I tried to record this with you, which may still go out somewhere, mm. was just before Survivor. Right. <laughs> and similarly, as, as what you just said, <clears throat> now, mm. whenever I'm in a little bit of rain yeah. <laughs> or a little bit uncomfortable, yeah trying to sleep on a plane or something i just think back to yeah right the horror zone yeah and sleeping in the rain like that just did not stop for like days and just freezing and and people are getting hypothermia around you and you just have to grab people just to stay warm the best thing about this for me is that you <laughs> auditioned for this like you, you went out of your way to be on this show but you're but you're right like it's absolutely right and i think i think that's why experience is so vital yeah to success because you have those experiences and you kind of take strength it can it can you can always bring it back to that it can ground you yeah exactly right and so i suppose you're pretty grateful that that's probably at the time didn't see it that way but looking back now all the struggle and how hard the road was to get here Mm. has actually i guess you can look back and say that was the right way that's the perfect way to do it rather than overnight success yeah i mean look i I think at the time it was pretty heartbreaking like Mm. i was you know busking and playing pub gigs and doing everything myself and it was just pushing a boulder uphill every day you know and watching other people around me like coming up quicker and it felt it just felt unfair Mm. um yeah but now, yeah. And what are they doing that I'm not? You know, I'm working yeah. just as hard, probably yeah, yeah. harder. But, you know, it's really easy to think that, but you never know the yeah, full story exactly. behind people. And yeah. everyone's got their battles, you know. Um, it's not easy for anyone, whatever your situation is. But um, it, it's funny now. I talk about busking and all that kind of stuff. And it, and it's really, it's re- it sounds really romantic and really sort of glamorous. And, you know, like it was all this big master plan that would end up with you know, me playing arenas. And it's like, mm. it. there was no plan at <laughs> all. I just did it. I, you know, got to the stage where I remember I was chefing or working in a kitchen. I was getting paid after tax. I was working like 35 hours a week and I was getting paid under 800 quid a month. So it was like less than 200 pounds a month, right. a week, sorry. Right. And I was working my fucking ass <laughs> off. And I went busking one weekend and I made as much in a weekend as I did in a month chefing. And I was just like, well, this well, is, this yeah, is that, it. <laughs> and not that it was about the money, but I was just like, was like this I is can, more fun. This is what I actually want to do. And right. it makes more financial sense. And I remember that weekend so vividly because it was, I just, I, I, it was just in Brighton in my hometown, beautiful, sunny weekend, had an amazing time, busked Saturday and Sunday, made that money. And this, realization that it's like well if this works here 
there's absolutely no reason why it wouldn't work everywhere else, mm. you know? Like, and and just, I don't know, suddenly seeing this pathway of like, fuck, I could just travel around, do this in different towns, play little pub gigs and make a living. Like, mm. that was such a wonderful moment. I remember it very clearly. Just this pathway suddenly. Yeah. Of like... Emerging like, ah, oh, this is possible. It's yeah. not just do anything and... And hoping that something happens. Like, oh, wait, no. This could actually, actually I work. I can see yes. how these dots might connect. and Exactly. Hmm. Exactly right. And, and I think, you know, the, the, the million dollar question for any musician starting out is how do I get my music to people? How do I cut through everything? How do I get this music in front of the right people? So I think that understanding of like, I don't need a fucking agent or a million people kind of, you know, doing things. It's like, I can just go to a town with my guitar and my amp and just turn up and just do it oh so (laughs) empowering man so so empowering back then what were your your aspirations did you you know how old are you around this time when you kind of would have been 24 so 24 year old mike busting on the street Mm. what what are you dreaming of what are you what are you hoping is like the end goal Sheeran always says that I talked about doing like three to five hundred cap rooms. Yeah. Like he, he always brings that up and, and says that was always. That was all you ever wanted. Yeah. Because in my, <laughs> in my eyes, that's like you've got 300 people in a room paying to come and see you. That's walk, pretty mega. It is. Of course itself. it is. Yeah. Of course it is. And especially when you haven't got that, it feels like a, a very far fetched idea. But it's funny how that works, you know, one day you do walk out and there's 300 people and, and it's a buzz and it's amazing and you, and, you, and you smash the show and you get off stage and you're like, I just, I just want to do this and bigger now. Like, yeah. And the goalposts just move and move and move and move and move, yeah. That's so common with, with, all, with anybody. But, you yeah. know, when, when mm-hmm. I talk to creative people, it's, it's very much the same. And actually, I talked to Gregory, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Gregory Allen Isaacob, our mm-hmm. buddy, talked to him a couple of weeks ago and that came up as well. Really? Um, just the, just that idea of you're always chasing that next goal and you're putting everything into it. And you're like, if, as long as I can get to there, mm-hmm. I've done it. Yeah. Everything's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then you get there and it lasts for like a day. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, right. now I've got to just stay at this level or, or get better. <laughs> and then it's yeah. like, well, cool. <laughs> the high from that accomplishment has just... It evaporates dissipated so quickly. quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. And it's so important to understand that. And wherever you can, take those tiny moments of realisation. And it, and it can come in the weirdest form. It's not like when you walk out in front of loads of p- people. Quite often you don't, I'm not in the headspace where I'm like, oh my God, I've, I've done it, you know. It's tiny little moments like going back to certain towns where you know i'm walking past an old busking spot or mm. like or you know i saw my old head chef the other day in brighton and just <laughs> had this overwhelming sense of like oh my god that was then and all of this has happened mm. you just get these fleeting moments of i had i had one of those the other day not quite the same thing but when i was uh early on in the survivor audition process like the very first phone call i got about it mm. i was in um Johannesburg uh, coming back from something and I just had to 
take this call mm-hmm. and I had to pay to get into this lounge because I just needed somewhere yeah. quiet. So I just yeah. was like, fine, here, pay this. I got to yeah. take this call and just sat down in this chair wow. in the corner and was talking about Survivor and what my strategy would be like, you know, way mm-hmm. early on where I had no idea I would mm-hmm. actually make it on the show. But yeah, I walked past that uh, when I was coming back from oh, really? from the last tour and I just walked past that spot and I was like, ah, oh, yeah. Just it's these nice, little right? flashes just come back. Yeah. You must have that a lot because of how much time you played on the street. and Yeah. And I, as I said, it, it comes it comes in really weird forms. But but what's important is to to grab those moments and be like, fuck, man, I've worked really hard and achieved a lot. And, and be proud of yourself for doing it, you know? Mm. Like, it's not often that I am. I'm always beating myself up about it. I'm always, the gig could have been better. I could have, you know, I think part of being ambitious and... And, and, and that kind of thing is is you're quite often quite hard on yourself as well. I don't know if you find that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's to common produce trait. quality. I think you have to you yeah you have to be you you have to be very critical you, all the time. You do, and that you can to... stray over into really negative mm. dialogue. Actually, so you have to be really careful of that. But I think um, yeah, it's really important to just have those moments. Yeah. Hmm. What was do do you have? something in your mind that was the lowest point of of the busking days where where you were the closest to just saying uh you know maybe maybe this isn't just isn't gonna work yeah it was it was actually just before i went busking and i i'd stop yeah i wasn't chefing anymore like it so so before the busking it was it was the band um and there's this really low point where the band broke up my manager at the time left. I broke up with my girlfriend. She moved to Spain um, and got with somebody else, which was completely heartbreaking. She, that was the whole, that, that was who let, let her go was about. Um, well, isn't that a, a lesson? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. And I was, I was living in my mum and dad's house. Um, it was January in England. My mum and dad had gone off traveling like for three months. So it was just me on my own in my mum and dad's house, mm-hmm. January, February in England. And I just, uh, it was absolutely horrendous. I felt so low. And I drank loads, smoked loads, and I wrote tons. I remember just sitting at the kitchen table every day, smoking and drinking and writing. (laughs) It was brutal. But out of that came Wide Eyes Blind Love, which was my second record, which I recorded in five days in my friend's loft. Um, And that record I sold busking for five years and i don't know how many thousands of copies we sold Mm. but that record funded every single other album along the way it funded all the little lights which had let a go on it about that girl um so i kind of you know like out of the ashes of absolute (laughs) devastation great example of from the darkness right Rises and blooms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, it's so true. It's so true. Wow. And, and I still look back on that record. I listened to it the other day and mate, my voice is weird and the recording is that's, rough. That's, and, that's the record I listen to the most, I think. Mate, yours. I fucking love that I love album. it. It's so honest. It's so mm. like, um, and yeah, one day I'll, I will definitely re-record some of those songs. But I just, yeah, that's a really nice thing to remember like as you say out of something so um so dark came Mm. came came something that really facilitated the whole thing Mm. and imagine if you had if instead of 
turning to creativity and, and writing, you had just, you, just, you hadn't. Mm-hmm. And that had been the end of it. Yeah. It was like, cool. All right. Well, that sucks. Cool. Yeah. It's forever. Like, it's, it's over. Forever. You know, do something about else. It. Yeah. I don't know what I would what have been pushed, like. like. What was writing like the release? Did that actually make you feel better? And that's how you came out of it? Or did you have to force yourself to be like, I need to do something to distract myself? No. I, at that stage, I, I didn't even care about like <laughs> making a record or, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, I just. Writing is, and always has been for me, a very cathartic process. I feel so lucky to have it. It's somewhere for all of this shit to go. All of these feelings, (laughs) all of this, like everything that happens in life. And you just, it kind of all percolates around. And at some point it pops out in this beautiful little three minute song. Like how wonderful to turn, (laughs) again, to turn something, to turn all this kind of angst and weirdness into not just something that's hopefully beautiful, but something that can help other people in those times as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think then I wasn't kind of thinking, oh, this is all going to sound great. It was just like yeah. getting it out. Yeah. But then what happens when, when you don't have such intense moments in your life, and I, I'm sure you have, mm. but you know, is uh, there times where everything's just going great? <laughs> it's like. Where does where, what do you write about then? Like, yeah. I guess I guess you draw from so many different places and stories that you hear from other people. That's it. And I've always written a lot about other people as well. You know, like traveling alone and you know riding to New York and David and bullets and all these kind of songs that are about people that I've genuinely met along the way. So I think there's always that. There's always those story songs, and I think as well as I've got older, I've started to write a bit more broadly. I think if I listen back to my early work it was very very detailed and specific and wordy and um now it's a lot more it's bigger brush strokes i think Mm. on purpose no i think it's just the way i i think as you get older you kind of pull back a little bit and you and you see things from a slightly further distance maybe Mm. um yeah it, it just it it just seems to have happened that way It'd be really interesting to just listen. Imagine if you just sat down one day, listened to every record. Wow. That, from the earliest a, and just... That'd be a hard day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. What would you say is your biggest challenge these days? Because, you know, you've, you're, a, you're, by every measure, great success, huge audiences at shows, so many people listen to your music now. It'd be, you know, simplistic but easy to to, to look look mm. at, you know, what you're doing. It's like, wow, he's made it. It's mm-hmm. it's awesome. There must be no problems anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I used to think before I did make it. I was just like, man, if I could if I could have that life, I wouldn't complain about anything. Everything would be perfect. I'd be in like I'd be skipping through a little sort of um world made out of candy, you know. Um but it, of course it's not true. Of course it's not true. Every every other area of life continues and carries on and, and is challenging just like it is for anyone. Um, I mean, as far as, uh, as far as my career goes, I think the difficult thing, and this is what people don't talk about, the emphasis is always on making it, is always on having that moment, that song, that, that opportunity to break through and to, and to get in front of people. No one ever talks about sustaining it. 
Mm. Like that is really difficult. Once you get people's attention, you know, I had let her go. And then, you know, I'm not like a hit factory. Like I'm not a pop star. I'm not trying to write songs that, you know, get on the radio and all the the rest of it. or, Or most of the time I'm not. So, you know, it got really, really big. And then it's this kind of weird challenge of like, well, how do I sustain this? How do I keep this going? How do I make it interesting for people? How do I keep on bringing new people into the project Mm. Um, without selling out, without doing music that I'm uncomfortable with, um, without going on stupid TV shows that make me feel awful? Like, Mm. do you know what I mean? Um, So that, that that has been the challenge. And sometimes that's been a real worry. Like if I haven't been on the road for a while, and you know, I'm not really on social media a lot when I'm when I'm off the road. And I just kind of get this sense of like, oh God, like, is this still here? <laughs> like, does this still exist? Do people still give a fuck? And then walk out for the first gig and it's like, oh, yeah. They're still here. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a weird feeling, man. Well, you've done really well. I would say that, you know, you've you're in the the one percent kind of artist that that can just leave for a while and then come back mm-hmm. and the audience are still loyal there because you've built this connection that is more than just they like the songs. I think it goes further yeah. than that by yeah. now because you've put so much of yourself mm. into everything, you know, the busking and, and just, just all the all the crazy ideas we have and, and all the extra, mm. the extra mile you go. Yeah. Um, yeah and yeah. I think it's very obvious to, to fans that it's, you know, Thanks, man. And I, th- I think as well, just the the amount that we've done. You know, like after Let It Go, I was exhausted after that got big, and we t- and like we basically did a double tour around the world, and it was extraordinary. It was so fun, but it was also completely overwhelming. Like biggest crowds I've ever played mm. to. So much pressure going on, like live TV all over the world, and and, and playing this song and whatever. And as soon as we got back, we recorded the next record and 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 smashed it out as quickly as possible. <laughs> Probably looking back, maybe a bit too quick, but I, I still think that was a really good move to yeah. to just show people that it's like it wasn't just that one song. I'm not now just going to disappear and mm. th- that's it. It's like and consistently, it's been an album a year since then, and I think yeah. that's been a massive part of it. But exhausting, <laughs> exhausting, so exhausting. Yeah. Do you think you ever look back and think mm, maybe it was too much, mm-hmm. or do you, I, or do you I, really think that? Yeah, I do. I, I look back on Runaway and I wish we'd, you know, like it was too much content. It was a really good lesson that because we were putting something out every week, and by the end of it, <laughs> it was just I, I could t- I could sense that even like the real hardcore fans were a bit like <laughs> oh, <laughs> a bit overdone. So that's a really good lesson, and I think there's an emphasis nowadays on quantity over quality sometimes it's like you know the way social media is poised with with instagram stories and everything else where it's just like it's quite throwaway it's like this is what i'm doing it's up for a bit yeah yeah i've struggled to adapt to that world i think because you know i'm really proud of what we do i'm proud that we make a video over the course of four weeks Mm. or whatever and and put it up at the end of a tour the depressing thing sometimes is you can get more views for a live video that you do in your hotel room. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Or something silly that you do. And ever, and that's, it's not depressing, but I still think, <laughs> I still think the emphasis needs to be on quality. Yeah. Certainly for of what course. we do. Yeah. 
Well, I think if you didn't have that emphasis on quality and you just did what was easy to get likes and, and be popular, um, you know, like to be honest, like a, a, a selfie of you on Instagram will probably do better than <laughs> some crazy mm. video or some adventure that we go on yep. and spend. Maybe, bec- I guess because of, you know, how Instagram and social media is now, and like you said, it's just like a factory. It just churns mm. out. Everything is kind of has this equal weight. Whatever you post up right now is, is going to get the same airtime, the same, you know, attention from somebody as mm. you could spend a millisecond on it or you could spend a year on it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And people will probably exactly. pay attention to it the same amount. Yep. So it's really easy to say, okay, well, you know, I don't have to put in effort and, you know. But if you... If you don't put the quality stuff up, mm. then no one's going to be around to watch the silly stuff. Exactly. And I think that's uh, yeah. uh, so you can look back at it and think, you know, wow, you know, we spent so much time doing all these things yeah. that maybe didn't get as much of responses as you wanted. But without that and without having that mindset, you probably wouldn't mm. have the career you have now. And, and when you went back after a For year, sure. half those people would be gone. You know, sometimes I go into like this weird passenger youtube k-hole thing. <laughs> me too like every like six months or something i'll be like lying in bed and i won't be able to sleep and i just start i just start mm. like and you just the amount man the amount that we have done like in the last what eight it's years whatever pretty crazy all over the world and you know and varying like as far as how successful they are as far as like views and all that kind of stuff um but all of them like you know Aside from any of this bullshit, aside from any of the sort of ego stroking and the and the likes and the comments and everything else, how cool to look back in fifty years time mm. and be like, "This is what we did. This is this we've documented this crazy journey." And I'm going to get gushy a little bit, but I'm so grateful to have had you along the way because, I mean, obviously for our friendship, but to be able to document everything in in with in such beauty um, has been. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's been such a massive part of it, and um, I think yeah, looking back, it's going to be pretty special for, Thanks, for all of us. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the same same with you. Like, if we didn't meet, mm. <laughs> if we didn't start that little journey like mm. eight years ago, mm. well, I don't know what my life would be like. So many places I've been in the world for the first time I've been because mm-hmm. of you. You know, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that I would be in Uruguay or visit yeah. Lithuania mm-hmm. <laughs> for any other reason yeah. if it wasn't traveling around with you and, and just and yeah coming back to what we we're talking about at the start just you know having forcing ourselves to just you know make the most of everything of every, everywhere we are mm. and being in strange parts of the world and be like cool we're here we're so exhausted mm-hmm. but look where we are we, let's let's go out and walk the streets and bring your guitar and yeah. let's just make something you know it's it would have been so easy to not do that yeah totally so much easier to just say no and just to to not put yourself out there and you know maybe maybe we'd be much less exhausted and mentally drained yeah (laughs) i'd look three years younger (laughs) yeah yeah i i I do the same and look back through old videos and especially the first the very first run that i did with you and and some of those videos were some of them probably not all of them some of them still hold up they're pretty funny and engaging to watch (laughs) but that's a perfect example of what we were talking about earlier about having fuck all money like no no Mm -hmm. like big production and just ideas you i just remember coming up with like stupid ideas and trying to make them work and you know as well we didn't know each other that well and i one thing i think is 
is really nice with us. And also everyone that I work with, like the, the longer you work with them, the better you get at working together. Mm. I think now we can just go out and be like, we don't need, there've been times in the past where I think we've kind of had different ideas mm. and kind of like butted heads a little yeah. bit. And it's been a little bit frustrating and a bit like, ah. <laughs> now I just feel like we, we're completely on the same page. We know exactly what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I know how you work. You know how I work. Like what you were saying about my grumpy face and it's like, <laughs> I've got 60 <laughs> seconds to make this work. It's true. And I can, I can pick up your signs as well now better. So I think, but that's true with like, you know, all of the crew that I work with and, you know, Chris in the studio or Dan, my manager, you get so much better at communicating and understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses mm. and where you kind of slot in together. It's, it's, uh, and you can't, that's priceless. Like, you know what I mean? You, you, you can't, you can't fake that. You can't speed that process up. You have to go through all of those weird times together. Mm, you can't just make mistakes together. Input a formula and just find the perfect person. Totally. You have to, you have to really yeah, I, I, go through I, I, all these processes. And you need a bit of luck as well. Definitely. Was it a conscious thing to, because by now, you know, you've, you've got a pretty solid crew. Oh, let's stop recording. I must have run out of space. <laughs> um, you've got a pretty solid crew around you now that has that's, that's pretty consistent and, yeah. and has it was it a conscious thing to to kind of just form this team around you D did you always want to get to that point or was it did it just happen because there's you know i guess it could go both ways it's you know you, do, do you form this team that that mm. just knows what to do mm. and it's just solid and it's just awesome and you know it's going to work mm. but do you also then miss out on injecting some you know fresh ideas and yeah yeah i mean i it took it took a really long time to get the team in place. I think it was trial and error for a long time, um, and yeah, slowly but surely you get the right people in, and and you realise how valuable they are, and, and you do everything you can to keep them around. Um, and I think as well, once you've got three or four great people, then you attract more great people. Like I think that's a kind of a rolling effect mm. like yeah once you had me then once we had you <laughs> everything clicked into place <laughs> my life became <laughs> yeah much weirder much fucking weirder <laughs> and i laughed a lot more so yeah it's good well i think you have to go do you, i you've got it it's 12 <laughs> <laughs> well it's been a pleasure cool. see ya <laughs> bye thanks mike <laughs> Well, thanks for listening and making it this far. I really appreciate it. I don't really know how this all works, but I'm fairly sure if you rate this on iTunes or download it from Spotify or share it as an Instagram story, all of that helps. Um, I mean, I'll record these anyway, but it probably helped to get a few more of my mates on this show if I can say that there's more than one person listening to it. So if you did enjoy it, please let others know.